This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. By popular demand, Place to Be Nation Wrestling returns to the Dirty South for talking WCW, an episodic wrestler showcase designed to educate, evaluate, and entertain, with matches spanning the intimate stage of Techwood Studios to the heights of Space Mountain. Talking WCW presents the best worst and most surreal offerings from world championship wrestling so cast your gaze to the turner tron with host jennifer smith tim capel and greg phillips welcome to talk at wcw my name is jennifer smith and i'm here with the gangster of love to my sultan of swing tim capel how you doing tim oh Fantastic. Um, and uh, very expressive as well this evening, like we aren't always here on Talking WCW, because uh, we got a great one coming at you. I've been looking forward to this episode, and I kind of think it's overdue. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, let's bring in our third chair. That is Mr. Greg Phillips. Greg, how you doing tonight? Some people call me Maurice. Ooh. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> I am. I'm doing well, guys. Uh, happy to be. Uh, happy to be back together. Remember last time we were like, "Hey, we're going to start doing this every yeah. month now." That never works out because of stupid life. Yeah, Look, life is. These months go by faster and faster. I feel like it. It just a month used to be a lot longer. Is is what that's it comes true. Down to. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it used to be you could you could spend a. You could spend a month on a Monday, really, and and now it's just like they they fly by, and uh, before you know it, you've you've missed uh you've missed your mark here for talking WCW, but that's okay because we're sticking to our format, and we're doing <laughs> this episode. It is about who picked this one? Was this you, Jim? That was me. I, that was my selection. Greg, yeah. Okay, like I said, Greg picked this uh, <laughs> this topic. It is on the Midnight Express. <laughs> Uh, just the second time I think we've done a tag team here on Talking WCW. The first being the Steiner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and recent I know Hall of that Fame inductees, the Steiner Brothers. Recent Hall of Fame and and noted uh, bovine corralers, the uh, mm. the Steiner Brothers. <laughs> uh, at least one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if we've had any any midnight. Matches. Yes, we talked we, about, we, we talked about the uh, Southern Boys match from Great American Bash. Oh, of course, I picked it. Yeah, <laughs> um, dumbass. I would have picked it for this one if if not for uh, if that if not for that previous installment. God, I love that match. Um, and we've had some Bobby Eaton action as well in singles competition yes. uh, against Ric Flair. Great two out of three falls match at that one clash. Um, which as I well, like that match against, a lot. Against uh, Arn Anderson as well, and against That's Arn right. Anderson. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So here we get a dedicated episode for the Midnight's. Look, full disclosure. I think we're all, um, 
cut from that cloth of, of our preferred version of the Midnight Express is, is going to be uh, Beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I, I know that there are a lot of folks out there who always just, they love the, it doesn't get better than the original, whether, whether it comes to the Horsemen, Midnight's, whatever. Um, look, I, you know, I definitely enjoy some Bobby and, and Dennis Condry matches, but um, they they didn't make any of our, <laughs> our lists. They did I'm not. just going to say it. It's all going to be Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. M- maybe here. that's something we can visit in the future. Uh, I, I'll maybe. be honest. I haven't watched nearly as much Condry and Eaton as I have Lane and Eaton because I grew up with Lane and Eaton. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I've only seen a few of the prominent Condry and Eaton matches. So to me, I just I just there's something so exciting about the Stan Lane version. We'll talk about that a little bit because he really does bring a lot to the team. Mm-hmm. He does. Yep. Absolutely. So um, our first match on tap is going to be from 1988. Feels a little late. I don't know. For some reason, to be talking like great Midnight Express matches. And that's going to be a theme, I think, of our of our show is most of these matches really from the late 80s or even early 90s. Um which you might think, oh, after the heyday, not really, as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they ever again. really faded, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're talking that second version with Stan, um, there's not all that, there's not but all, there's there's only so much of it out there, easy for me to say. Um, so, I mean, that's where we're going to kind of land with, with all of our choices. But uh, I think I've said enough, Jenny. This was your pick. Uh, what have we got here? All right, so we're at the Great American Bash, uh, Baltimore, I do believe. You mm-hmm. one of your favorites, Tim. Yeah, and Baltimore Arena. This is on July 10th uh, of '88, and we're doing Midnight Express versus the Fantastics. Uh, the fa- I picked this one mostly for the Fantastics. Okay, uh, that's fair. Because I, I saw one of their matches, I believe, on an episode that we did of Hidden Gems, and I freaking fell in love with them. <laughs> and okay. I was like, what is this? Uh, who is this? What is happening? And um, so any chance I have to watch one of their matches, I do. Um, so Was it a match of- against – I'm sorry uh, to interrupt. Just curious. Mm-hmm. Was it a match against uh, the Midnight Express that you saw, or, or were they going against somebody else? I believe it was part of a tournament. And I'm, you know, my memory is hazy on shit yeah. I watch, but Maybe Crockett it was Cup not. It, yeah, I want to say it was Crockett Cup, um, but I don't believe it was Midnight Express. They had a legendary match uh, that I've never seen, uh, or if I've seen it, I've only seen a clipped version. They had a legendary match against the Sheep Herders, who would later yeah, go on to become the Bushwhackers mm-hmm. in the Crockett Cup. So perhaps it was that. I've only ever yeah. seen the the clipped uh, Turner home video version that they put on VHS. That I rented from Blockbuster one time. Well, I don't know that I don't know that that match is on the Peacock version of the network anymore. Um, Lame. Since Ooh. it was, you know, hidden gem. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sucks. So there's a couple of fun stipulations with this match. Um, <laughs> if uh, Midnight Express loses, uh, they and Jim will be lashed. Uh, Jim Cornette will be lashed ten times. All right. As you do. Yes. I mean, seems natural. But uh fun twist, they're gonna 
put Corny in a straitjacket and suspend him from a cage uh, <laughs> above the ring during this match just to ensure that he does not fuck around during the match, which I guess that's what it takes really to keep Corny off of a match. Is, now, you could you could ask the question, couldn't they just bar him from ringside? But where's the fun in that? Nah, who wants to see that? He's going to run out. You can't bar him. This is yeah. how you bar him. <laughs> Literally. Have him, yeah, you, you have to. You can't keep take your eyes off of him. He's, he's so no. slick. You don't know what he's going to do. So he's got to be out there, but he's got to be, in, in some way, physically restrained from, from yeah. interfering in the match. It, sh- it should be noted, in the past, he had been suspended in that shirt cage before, but he'd always found ways to slip foreign objects from the cage to the floor below to his to his clientele, so this was a way to prevent oh, him. Really? From, this was a way to prevent him from any surreptitious doings. I'm glad you said that because I wondered why the straight jacket on top of the cage. So that yeah. makes sense. I'm assuming that. now that's an assumption because I haven't watched the no, I mean, that leading into that match, but I know I've seen some prior matches from the Midnight's where uh, Corny was uh, suspended in the shark cage and he would find ways to slip weapons down to Bobby and whoever Bobby's partner was at the time, be it Stan or, or Dennis. So I believe this way have just been a, an extra layer of protection to ensure that Cornette could not influence the outcome of this contest. And he pitches a fit when they start yes. to put him in. He looks genuinely scared, like I'm buying it. Like he's sort of freaking out. And I got to admit, if I was in a straight jacket, I'd probably be freaking out too. Um, he asks the – ref that's getting them in the jacket like can I buy are you able to be bribed can I buy y'all five thousand dollars and ref says I wouldn't do it for ten and corny says fifteen <laughs> uh, who was that old man referee I don't know that I, I remember ever seeing him I'm not sure I want to say like one of the Fargos or something Jackie or Sonny Fargo one of those type guys probably one of the guys who dressed looked like a zookeeper in like the early starcades. <laughs> uh, Corny says he's a crackpot. He's an honest man. They can't believe he can't bribe this old man. I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really fun. And uh, so anyway, they hoist him up, and it it does look scary. I, I mean, they do this camera angle where he's just kind of hunched over and like sitting at the bottom. It looks very sad and lonely in here. <laughs> He's calling to Bobby and Stan to help him. Help! Poor Gary Michael Cepeda, too, is so overwhelmed by all these stipulations. It's the United States Tag Team Championships versus the Lashings. And if... uh, (laughs) It reminds me of... uh, Reminds me of the poor... uh, uh, Whoever the announcer was in in TNA that would have to do the King of the Mountain match every year. Jesus. Yeah, so if the Midnights lose here, they get the ten lashes, but Cornette is going to be suspended over the cage regardless. In the cage right. regardless. Right. And so. the Midnights will win the U.S. tag titles if they succeed U.S. In there. tag team, yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Western States Heritage Tag Team titles. <laughs> I, I did like that uh, Jim Ross on commentary uh, points out that, you know, most teams have a very poor win-loss <laughs> record. <laughs> right. Win-loss yeah. record against the Midnight Express. The Fantastics you see are the exception. So they've they've won a few. Seems like they've maybe got the Fantastics number over a handful of encounters here in 1988, which um, 
most of those um, I think you can find on the network throughout various Clash of the Champions. Well, there's one on the, the Clash of the Champions from, I think, that March, um, and then a couple other just uh, TV yeah, there's there's are, one you can find yeah. on YouTube that was on Worldwide that is amazing, mm-hmm. like one of the best awesome. tag matches I've ever seen. Um, yeah, well, and 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 Jenny, uh, Tim, it's very important to note that uh, when in their matches against each other, you could say that they indeed have a fantastic winning percentage against the Midnight mm-hmm. Express. You would mm-hmm. you would say that? And it's not pure it, at all. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a poor record. <laughs> Um, Tony wonders how the Midnight Express will do without Corny, given that he is usually a big factor in a lot of their matches. Um, JR says that they will have a game plan. Don't worry about it. Um, and th- also they should have gagged Corny, too, when they put him up there. Cause he was <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, Stan, uh, so they start out Fulton with uh, Stan Lennon, Fulton. Um, a lot of quick tags, which is what we'll say probably a lot about Midnight Expresses. Trying to keep up with who is tagging in and out is quite difficult at times because they are lightning quick. And yeah. this this match is nonstop. Like, it's – they don't stop moving. <laughs> like it's incredible. Um, they're You know, they battle back and forth. Um the Fantastics get a good backdrop um, when they team up on Bobby, uh, and then they do a little two-on-two with the mirrored moves with the with the both teams. The Fantastics run the Express uh, out of the ring and strut a bit for the crowd. Stan and Rogers come back, back in to sort of reset. They get a sneaky tag-in, and Bobby bulldogs uh, Rogers pretty good, sort of flying right across the ring, bulldogs him. I love that spot. It was awesome. The camera caught it just right, too. Stan levels him with a clothesline and then eats an elbow by Bobby. Uh, Bobby gets one of those awesome neck breakers um, and another four, another two, but Rogers gets his uh, foot up when he goes for the next one. More quick tags gets Rogers, another backbreaker. Rogers denied the tag again. Fulton argues with the ref um, while <laughs> the expresser over there working Rogers over. Fulton, he, he's, he gets in a lot of encounters with the ref during this match. Rogers is struggling and eats another uh, 360-degree backbreaker by Bobby, which is so fun to watch. A lot. Like He just like breaks off these breakers. like All the, all the breaker moves – it's just like he just snaps them off, and it looks effortless. Yeah, it's so awesome. It looks um, very ahead of its time. A lot it of the does. stuff Bobby mm-hmm. can do, and, and it looks just so unlikely coming from him. Like, yeah, uh, I know. He, he's, he not, just, he's not. He's not. He's not built like, as Dusty would say. He ain't built like the athlete of the day. He's not. But goddamn, he. I, Whatever it is, he has it. It's just in the wrong body or something. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> Because I mean he's from he's from Huntsville, Alabama. If you didn't know that, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, he looks like it. I mean he, he I, should have like a hillbilly like offense to complement yes. his you know, hillbilly appearance. <laughs> what would you refer to as a hillbilly offense? Um, like a lot of Dusty Rhodes type moves, you know? Like, yeah, the, the jabs, <laughs> the, the quick jabs, and the 
nothing real fancy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Meat and potato well, outfits. Uh huh. Meat, meat and potatoes. There you go. Well, that's sort of what his break, like his breaker moves are. The Nick breaker, the backbreaker. Like he just snaps them off. Like ugh, it's amazing. Um, so they continue uh, to keep Fulton um, away and to deny the tags. Stan continues to brutalize Rogers on the outside. Rogers smacks Bobby's head on the post, um, but then is met with Stan where Rogers manages a sunset flip for two. Um, kind of, it, it, he's getting his ass beat for most of the yeah. of this little and stretch. And he gets these little hoop spots here. Yeah, there. yeah. And that the sunset was good, too. Um, pretty quick response. Um, he had, Rogers attempts to tag, but is pulled back once again. Five, I'm waiting for Bobby to fly. You know, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is good. Like, I'm enjoying it, but we, he, needs to, he needs to be jumping off that top rope for me. So then he finally goes up for the big leg drop. Um, pops me every time he does it. Um, right. Sam gets the abdominal stretch on Rogers, but he still won't tap. Um, Bobby back in, goes up top for the rocket launcher, but Rogers gets his feet up. Uh, another brief little um, hope spot for him. Finally, he crawls over to get that hot tag. Fulton hits the big body drop or the back drop on um, Bobby. Sam trips Fulton up and power slams him on the concrete outside um, with poor Rogers back in the ring. Uh, he can't get away. He's he's been bullied this entire match. Uh, he and Bobby crash into uh, Tom Young, who gets a finger in the eye. Uh, Rogers fires back, punching Bobby into the corner. Stan loads a chain up, but misses Rogers and drops it. And Bobby picks it up, wraps it around his hand, and nails Fulton with it for the win. So. Sort of like, oh, where did that chain come from? <laughs> did Corny manage to drop it from the cage? <laughs> That's a great question. The, 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 it, trust me, if, if it had happened, the cameras would have missed it. Yeah. Uh, they would have found a way. I just assumed they did, and that's what happened. Um, so they win. They win the tag belts. Uh, Jr. is losing it on commentary, and uh, you know, just it's, it's he's outraged. Fulton grabs the chain, starts unloading on Bobby with it. Um, they grab – Corny gets taken out. They grab him, drag him to the ring. Uh, this ripped, was abominable. What a was, poor show of sportsmanship. Ripped off Tommy Young's belt and whips Corny with it. Whipped him really anyway. Fun. Just whipped him. Sore losers the Fantastics are. So great. Right. It was so great. After all that, motherfucker still gets whipped with a belt. The express drag corny out uh, by the straight jacket. Just kind of just hustle him straight out the back. <laughs> um, and then they do a, a little post-match interview with Corny, fired up, saying everybody's trying to kill him. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, this match has it all. Like, it literally, it doesn't stop. It's it's incredible uh, tag team action. Oh. Not not as much on the fantastic sides because they get maybe three tags during the whole match, but right, right. Um, but just the express just working them over and just working so perfectly together. Um, Stan Lane with his awesome, I think I think Jr. calls it ground game or something like that. But it really is true. Like he he really is like the anchor 
while Bobby gets to fly, and that's what I love to watch um, out of this pairing. Um, it's such a fun match. Watch it if you can. What did you guys think? Loved it. Loved it. I, I like the the these two teams had incredible chemistry. First of all, um, for all the talk about the great rivalry of the Midnight Express and the Rocket Roll Express, and it was from from the matches that I've watched, I actually prefer the Fantastics matches to the Rock and Roll Express matches against the Midnight. Um, and that's not to say the other ones are bad. They were great too, but these two teams just meshed so mm-hmm. well. And we talked about in the Steiner Brothers episode that they had like the, that on offense, they were like no other team. Like they were the, the coolest tag team offense team probably of all time. Well, I gotta say the Midnight Express were, were that before the Steiners were. Like they were, mm-hmm. Every time the Midnight Express are on offense to me, like not that they don't bump and they can bump and sell and feed and all that stuff, but when they're on offense, it is amazing. Like they they have the coolest double team moves, they have the coolest uh, uh, arsenal of of just strike moves, flying moves from Bobby. The the then their moves always had fun names like the divorce court for that shoulder breaker, <laughs> Bobby Rice. Uh, the uh, the Vegematic, which they don't do in these matches that we're reviewing here, but that was always my favorite one that they did. Um, the Double Goozle, stuff like that. You know, they, they just mm-hmm. had such an incredible arsenal of moves. The Rocket Launcher, which, you know, I, as a kid, I, I was a little too young to see the Midnight Express in their peak. So I thought in my child brain that the Rocket Launcher was invented by the Owen Hart, Jim Neidhart tag team, the New Foundation. Oh my. And, and of course, later on through videotape rentals, I would discover that I was wrong. But uh, it's, they're so innovative, the Midnight Express are, and that shows throughout this match, uh, even without the benefit of Cornette being at ringside, because he mm-hmm. adds so much to their matches typically. But as they showed here, even without him, they were a great team. And, and the Fantastics, I think, are one of those teams that, uh, Tim, I don't know, maybe you would agree with this or not, but like, it, doesn't it feel like the Fantastics are, are are talked about more today than they were ten years ago or even twenty years ago? Uh, yeah. It feels like their reputation is finally mm-hmm. starting to maybe get they're they're starting I to get the credit they deserve. Honestly, I couldn't have told you who the hell the Fantastics were ten years ago. <laughs> I really yeah. couldn't have. And I've watched yeah. wrestling on and off basically all my life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just they kind of would come in for these cups of coffee. I feel like. Um, I guess you, it's like you would hear the the name of the team in passing and be like, oh, Fantastics had a great match against Midnight's Chief Herders, whatever. But it just kind of didn't register with you unless you'd really seen them. And there weren't many opportunities, I feel like, to see them uh, on a national stage, certainly in a WCW um, Crockett before that, um, you know, prior to probably the network becoming more of a thing. And that, you know, and people kind of wanting to go out of their ways to watch all these old shows. And it's it's so interesting to me. And that's, I think, a good jumping off point, Greg, because I was in watching a lot of their matches, as I did for uh, the, the greatest uh, WCW wrestler and greatest WCW uh, matches, back-to-back uh, stretch projects we did on Place to Be Nation. Uh, <coughs> the, the fantastic struck me as – just not the type of team that you would think uh, would get over with an 80s NWA crowd, right? Like, right. There are a couple of these big old slabs of beef, California beefcake, really, who dress kind of stupid 
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask. The, the vest I mean, and bow tie with no shirt look was very bold. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? It's like a Beverly, a, a, a sort of a Bizarro World Beverly Brothers thing. And, <laughs> you know, they have no real gimmick that I can ascertain beyond just being really awesome at tag team wrestling. Um, maybe that's all you needed for, for an 80s NWA crowd because – uh, they are as as the uh, as it says on the tin, fantastic um, at this uh, at the sport we call wrestling. And um, yeah, everything I've seen with them against uh, the Midnights, which that kind of occupies much of their their 1988, um, is really they're all different matches, but all enjoyable in their own way. And um, you know, I, I, I know I've seen that uh, Sheep Herders match in the Crockett Cup, and it is really great. And it just, it, it's one of those things that it does make you want to go out of your way to see more from them. And that that's what I think a, a great team like the Midnight Express um, can do for you as a fan. It's, it's not just to see the great matches that they were able to put on, the showcases that they have, but to serve as this, like, bridge to other great teams and, and great uh, tag team wrestling. So that's, you know, doesn't get any better than that for me. I did look up that Hidden Gem episode, and it was um, the Fantastics versus Rock and Roll Express from Great American Bash 88 in Greensboro. Mm, wow. Was, I didn't know was one of, that. Yeah, it was one of the Hidden Gems. It was, I didn't know those two teams ever wrestled each other. Yeah. That, we, that's one Prime I example. Yep. Now I'm going to go out of my way to watch that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's on anything anymore, but. It was. I'm sure it can be found. We we have our ways and means, right? Mm. That's true. The um, dark net and whatnot. Well, yeah. I I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. Um, I, I'm kind of like uh, if you're gonna give it to us and then take it away, then then all bets are off as far as how yeah, we're gonna how like. we're gonna get our hands on it now. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I I really um I almost when we did our our past episode on just great matches from the great American bash. I almost, I was real close to picking this one, but I decided to go for the somewhat more obscure, uh, midnights versus Southern boys, which, which I also mm-hmm. think is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's one of those, I would have picked that <laughs> for this episode had mm-hmm. I gone the other way. So it's kind of like we would have gotten them in either way, but yeah, I'm so glad that you, uh, you chose this one. I was, I was yeah, hoping this, we could talk this was about it. Terrific, terrific match. As far as the, I'm sorry, and as far as the finish with the chain, my impression with that is just, uh, there's a little moment before, uh, Corny is in the straight jacket, but they've not yet, uh, stuffed him into the shark cage where he, he whispers something to Stan, mm-hmm. who then in turn whispers something to Bobby. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I guess the idea is he, he stashed or he hid the chain That's right, somewhere. The chain somewhere around the ring, yep. Somewhere in the ring, ringside, where he told him where to find it. Good I, point. Know, I don't know if that really tracks, but may, maybe we can we can no prize that one away. Hmm. They missed it on commentary. If that's the case, if they were supposed to, I don't, right. I don't, I don't feel like they got that over. If that was what they were supposed to be getting over. Yeah. So, well, there's a lot know. of Sometimes excitement you... in here, and in, in, at the Great American Bash. True. But... You know, I think there was a Willie Nelson concert right before the show started. So, oh wow, yeah. I sure hope they got uh, Aaron Neville in here. 
sing the uh, national anthem. Unfortunately, we, it, it, it took the genius of Eric Bischoff to bring us Aaron Neville into WCW many years later. Damn. <laughs> Uh, but I guess the, the, the next match on our list comes from, from my selection. Um, mm. uh, uh, and that would be, of course, everybody knows. Uh, it's not at all like I'm trying to remember what show it was on right now. It was from the Clash of the Champions Four Seasons Beatings. How could I forget? Right. The, the, the Christmas spirit was in the air. The, the leaves had turned, and it was time for a season of beatings in the National Wrestling Alliance at the time. And in this case, this contest brings us the main event of said evening, which is the freshly babyface Jim Cornette's Midnight Express taking on the world heavyweight wrestling champion of wrestling, the Nature Boy, as he's referred to for, I've never heard him called this in an actual formal announcement before this, but Slick Ric Flair, <laughs> along with the United States heavyweight champion Barry Windham, managed by James J. Dillon. This is really a big-time match. And even though there are no titles on the line in this contest, it is a big fight feel, I think, was what we would yeah. say today if this were to take place. These are the two prominent, most prominent singles champions in the National Wrestling Alliance. These are This is the number one, in most people's eyes at the time, the best pure tag team in the industry, if not one of the top two or three uh, fresh off losing their world tag team titles to someone that I didn't bother to look up before the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're at the top of their game. The, the crowds are starting to support them after years of booing them. Somehow, Jim Cornette is a baby face. And, uh, and, 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 and Rick and, and Barry are gearing up. You know, and, and one of the big storylines is Flair and Wyndham, the two dominant single stars. Can they, can they, work against a well-oiled tag team. What happens when a truly great tag team takes on two great singles wrestlers? And Flair, does he have his attention divided because he's got to look forward to Starcade and his title defense against the total package, Lex Luger. Barry Windham has to look forward to his U.S. title defense against Bam Bam Bigelow. And and the Midnights are in the midst of a feud with the original Midnight Express, as they were labeled, the, uh, of course, Loverboy Dennis and Ravishing Randy, managed by Paulie Dangerously. So yeah. everybody's got issues going on, but make no mistake, the Midnight Express mean business. They want to take out the top two stars in uh, in WCW, and so that brings us to our to our match. And uh, right away when this match starts, I thought the commentary was excellent. It's Jim Ross and Bob Caudle, I believe, on the call, mm-hmm. and they set the stage brilliantly for this. Bob Cottle especially lays out the story of these two outstanding singles wrestlers. And and you might look at it and say, well, Ric Flair and Barry Windham will right, wipe the floor with the Midnights, but the Midnights are considered by many the best tag team in the world. They're a well-oiled machine. They're used to teaming up. And that's really the story of this match, to start out with Bobby Eaton and Ric Flair start things off and Eaton establishes it even right here early on. we talked. You mentioned earlier, Tim, that he wrestled Nate a few years later, but here he establishes he's not afraid, he's not intimidated, and he smacks mm-hmm. smacks mm-hmm. player down in the corner. And I thought that was a really great way to set the stage and let the crowd know that the Midnight Express were not going to be intimidated or beat down by the horsemen like so many had before. So uh, really, the story of this match is the Midnight Express really control a lot of the offense in this thing. They 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 put 
they put Flair and Wyndham both through the ringer, and mm-hmm. Flair and Wyndham are bumping their asses off mm-hmm. this whole time. They're 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 bumping and feeding. They're you know you, you get a double noggin knocker. There's all kinds of great stuff going on here. Stuff spots that you don't see today in, in tag team wrestling. I mean, gosh, I can't remember the last double noggin knocker I saw. That used to be one of my favorites as a kid. I mean, what a great name too. Uh, but yeah, so they're you know they're they're going back and forth. They're they're uh, the 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 midnights are are. You know, doing backdrops on flare. It's all the classic flare spots, the flip in the corner, the, the <laughs> flips flips in the corner and then runs right into Stan Lane, knocking <laughs> on his ass on the apron. Uh, uh, backdrop out of the corner. Uh, chop exchange that he ends up losing. And, and to, to his chops get out beaten out by Bobby's punches and uh, and flare powders to, to get some advice from James J. Dillon. Um, it, it's... It's 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 really remarkable how they've managed to in the few in the months since Great American Bash get an, a crowd here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, 100 percent behind the Midnight Express, or at least 90 percent behind the Midnight Express, because you guys know we've seen most towns by by 1988 you would have a loud flare section in mm-hmm. the crowd, mm-hmm. but yeah. here yeah. here they're 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 pretty they go along with it. They want the Midnight Express to win. They want Flair and Wyndham to lose, and uh, and they're they're invested in this thing. And where you see <clears throat> another great job on the commentary, Jr. and Bob Cottle explain in the course of the match that the Midnight Express are making much more frequent tags because they're more used to teaming up together. Mm-hmm. Flair and Wyndham are not tagging enough, and that's why they're losing the match. Flair will stay in too long. Wyndham will stay in too long. Uh, at one point. Uh, Stan Lane goes to kick Flair, and Flair catches his leg, and Flair uses that as, an, as a chance to tag Wyndham, but he holds the foot too long while Wyndham's getting in the ring, and Stan Lane enziguries him and then knocks Wyndham down. And, and again, great job by the commentary calling out the fact that Flair didn't, <laughs> didn't know enough to let go of the leg quick, quicker mm-hmm. than since he had just tagged his partner in, so they were both caught off guard. Um, the, of course, eventually the horsemen managed to get the, the heat on on the express, and that's great because Ric Flair is awesome. Barry Windham, 1988 Barry Windham, y'all, one of the best wrestlers of yep. all time. Yep. Um, they're they're just they're fantastic here, both of them. Like Flair is awesome in this match as he always is, but Windham might be the star of the match as far as an individual goes. He's just his bumping is an unreal for a guy that big. Um, yeah. They they're all over the all over the mat, constant action. You talk about no slowdown here at all. Mm. Uh, there's great holds, like figure four, double figure four spots, double like figure that. four, yeah, amazing. Like Midnight's. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like Flair is kind of. It's a nice combination because it's it, part of it feels like a Ric Flair, a classic Ric Flair match, and part of it feels like a Midnight Express match. So it's a really the best of both worlds. Um, you know they're they're firing on all cylinders, all action. This match just keeps going. You know every time you think that you might know where they're going next, they change the heat segment. Wyndham tags in, takes over with some of his cool his cool moves, his lariat that he does, which is always good. Um, the the chops, my gosh, when Flair, you can tell when Flair's going to do his like chop battle spot versus when he really wants to get the heat. And when they're outside the ring, he he nails Bobby Eaton with a chop outside the ring that just sounded like it split his chest open, yeah. um, takes over. And then, of course, the, the big 
uh, climax of the match, if you will, is uh, the, the Midnight Express have have uh, Barry Windham dead to rights. They hit the uh, they hit him with a double team offense. I think they hit him with the the, the high low, and then um, uh, Eaton goes Which up again. Nineteen eighty eight. We're seeing a a high low slash total elimination, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um. Pretty sweet. Uh, unbelievable, their tandem offense. And then Eaton goes up to the top rope, nails the Alabama jam before it was called the Alabama jam, top rope leg drop, has 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 the U.S. champion pinned in the middle of the ring, but J.J. is trying to interfere, so Cornette takes out J.J., the referee is dealing with them, and J.J.'s shoe, which he had in his hand, goes flying after Cornette hits him into the ring. Flair grabs the shoe. Who grabs a shoe, really? Grabs the <laughs> shoe, cracks Eaton on the back of the head, Rolls Wyndham on top. Wyndham, who's still unconscious, gets the one, two, three. The horsemen win, but they win by the skin of their teeth, and they had to cheat to do it. And uh, and uh, and then, of course, afterwards, Jim Cornette cuts a fiery babyface promo for which is just still bizarre to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about how they're going to, you know, reward the fans for supporting them, and that they're going to get back at the horsemen. They already took out two of the horsemen, referring to the fact that the Midnight Express had uh, Arn and Tully's last match in WCW at a house show. NWA, I should say, but nonetheless. Uh, and and so they took out Arn and Tully, drove them out of the NWA, and they're going to do the same thing to Rick and Barry when they get an opportunity. I don't know how y'all felt, but I thought this was a fantastic match. I, I just, as, just as good as the Fantastics match, just in a different way, because you added in that, there was always something cool as a kid to seeing a great tag team against two singles guys tagging up, whether mm-hmm. it was Sting and Luger versus the Steiners, which we talked about before, um, you know, Hogan and Warrior against, uh, well, that was Mr. Perfect and the Genius, but they, so they weren't a tag team. But still, it was always cool to see these single stars tag up and what they're going to look like as a team, and you throw them in there with a team as talented as Midnight, and it was just a recipe for success. Ric Flair at his best, Barry Windham at his best. The Midnight Express at their best, and 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 for any doubts that they could pull off being a, a good guy team with that offense, absolutely. <laughs> like they're just yeah. so damn cool. That, mm. uh, even even when Stan Lane stops to do his little wiggle thing that he does, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it gets a pop, you know, because they're they're cool. So uh, I, I loved it. What did you guys think of it? Oh boy, I really loved it too. Um, what? Uh, there, Ric Flair's in purple, which I always really do like, and mm. um, the Midnight's are also in a shade of purple. So um, everybody looks good. Wyndham looks so. It is so crazy to watch him do what he in the same vein as Bobby. Um, to watch him do like the bumping, like <laughs> he, he flies over the top rope at one point after like a yeah. love tap of a, of, a, of a kick. Yeah, he flies um, over the top rope and then bangs his head on the guardrail and does a bump yeah. off of that. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy watching somebody his size do that. And yeah. um, I really loved um, the pairing of Bobby and Wyndham. Like when they're wrestling, and I'm like, yes, like. <laughs> This is like, and I'm a huge Flair fan, but I was barely even looking at Flair in this match. Like, to me, he's like easily third best like, uh, in this match. But like, it was it was all about Bobby for me. Um, I, I was feeling Stan quite a bit, though. Maybe a little bit more in the Fantastics match, but 
Um, and then we get that little instant promo about Paul Heyman. That was awesome. Um, yeah, always. Kind of popped up out of nowhere. Love me some unexpected Paul Heyman. Um, <laughs> well, and that's how you managed to turn the uh, the Midnight Express face. That's how you managed to yes. turn Paul E. face. Is that, I mean, to turn uh, Jim Cornette face is to have somebody on the level of a, of a Paul E. who was just going to be such an obnoxious asshole, um, especially here in the late 80s, doing his, you know, his total um, Johnny Dangerously uh, cosplay. Like, everybody just hates this dude. Yeah. And the Midnights have been around for so long. They've been so consistently over for so long, mind you, as heels, um, that it, it should be easy. It should be academic to turn um, a team that, that fans just are so familiar with to turn them fakes, even if fans are used to booing them, just because they have the respect thing going on, if, if nothing else. So it's just a matter of programming them against the bigger assholes and you manage to, and you manage to do it off. You manage to pull it off because fans are re- really already kind of desperate to cheer for them, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And Southern, there's nothing. I can tell you guys this as a as a longtime Alabama fan of wrestling and other things. There's nothing more obnoxious to a Southern person than a, than a loud New Yorker, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what Paul Lee time. So that that he was very, uh, as Jr. always says about him, he was very easy to dislike, <laughs> and and uh, and he came in and, and instantly made an impact. Oh, I'm so broken well, because I love him so much. Like, I, I never have disliked him. Like, <laughs> all, all Oh, of, I haven't disliked him since I yeah. was a kid. But when I was yeah. little, yeah, I mean, he yeah. was super obnoxious. Um, also, one of my notes say, break my neck, beautiful Bobby. So, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, that's a that's a very particular fetish. Like, it, it feels sure like you can only... You can only get that one once, and then you know you got to make it count. <laughs> well, it's worth it. All right, that's what I'm saying. all right, honey, break my neck, and well, <laughs> the best. That kind of goes along with uh, my uh, step on me, sweet Stan. Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my, We're my, rolling get, for the express. Get, give me, give me the claw, Barry. Didn't didn't work as well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. Um. So you often hear it's become a cliche at this point. I think that commentators will often fall back on this adage that, well, in order to be a great tag team, you have to have two great singles wrestlers. You have to be a great singles wrestler in the first place in order to be great at tag team wrestling. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, you get kind of sick of hearing it, but I think this is a match that really proves that out. (laughs) Um, because you, you have what, that is exactly the setup going into this match. Two great singles wrestlers who are not tag team wrestlers against a great tag team. And, uh, you know, the Midnights have been at it forever. Uh, Flair and, and Barry individually extremely accomplished and against each other have quite a bit of history as well. Um, Ric Flair as a tag team wrestler is, is always a, a really interesting animal to me. I uh I especially like his a lot of his uh his pairings with Arn Anderson. Um I think they gave us some great matches, especially like in that that 93 stretch um against uh you know the the West Hollywood Blondes and you know the, that's when you got the Horseman Reformation and all this. Um so it's always interesting to me to see Flair as a tag team wrestler because he's so 
it seems like he's so out of his element. Like he can't really, he can't really be the, the ring general, but to a certain extent when he's, you know, for half a match standing outside on the ring apron. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you would think he would not be any good at it, but he's actually quite excellent. Uh, and that really goes to show in this match where, um, it's kind of telling the story that while Flair and Wyndham are, are individually, uh, able to get these, gain these brief, uh, moments where they, they, they have the advantage in the match. They don't understand the psychology and the strategy of tag team wrestling as well as the Midnights do. So it's always very fleeting and it always, the momentum always just swings, tends to swing back to the Midnights. And, um, I think the commentators do a great job of, of backing that up. And, and Greg, you gave a great example of that too. Um, just in, in your rundown of the match. Uh, so that, th- these little touches, I think, are just what puts it over the top for me. Um, it is also just nonstop action, which, which you love to see in a tag team match. I don't know that I had actually seen this match before, uh, sitting down to watch it for our episode. I, I definitely haven't. This is the first time for me. Okay. Yeah. I wondered if this was like a, an old favorite of yours or if this was just, you know, you were looking for matches and came across this one or, or what made you land on it? Um, cause I, I, I'm pretty sure I'd never seen it. I'd I remembered, it, but, you know. I remembered reading Scott Keith's review of this Clash of the Champions, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And I remember, you know, Tim talking about this match and wanting to see it at the time, but there was no way to watch Clash matches at that time unless you downloaded mm-hmm. them through LimeWire or something. And that was always a, crapshoot so yeah. uh you know years passed i never thought about it when, it when i got the network i never thought about it uh, i never went back and watched the early clashes um and then you know i was looking through and honestly this match is what made me pick the midnight express for my okay. for my selection last time because I, I don't remember what it was that brought it to mind but i was like i've never seen that match and i bet it was awesome so uh i want to watch it i want an excuse to watch it and so that's what i that's what I came up with for my for my match selection, but um, yeah, there. Uh, it's one of those matches that you you look at it on paper and you're like, how could this not be great? And and it lives up to the to the expectation. It really did. I uh, I was blown away, and uh, I mean, my knowledge of clash like deep cut clash matches is pretty weak. In all honesty, I mean, I've seen the big Same. stuff that everybody talks about all the time, but, you know, there's there's a lot that, I mean, this show, Clash of the Champions, is probably a big blind spot for me, just in terms of hidden gems and stuff like that. So, I would, I think I would absolutely classify this one a hidden gem. Uh, I also want to want to add that I love <laughs> James E. and JJ getting into it at the end. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's unintentionally hilarious just seeing Cornette hit Dylan with the the tennis racket. (laughs) I don't know why that really cracked me up. Um, And, of course, So I gave you a sock! Whatever he says in the promo. (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, that sends the shoe flying into the ring. Um, Just, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. What Uh, kind of shoes did J.J. wear that they were a lethal weapon? I just, you know, has he got a steel plate in the heel or something? It's possibly, possibly got to be, uh, yeah, got to be. And Rick know. would, Rick would remember that years later when they used the woman's shoe to beat Hulk Hogan, if you recall, in a tag That's match right. on Nitro, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, I, hey, Flair is custom made from head to toe. You got to figure maybe he's uh, spared no expense on on his manager as well, and said, "Hey, slip a steel plate, and then bad boys." <laughs> Never know when you might need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and plus, just all the uh, gosh, all the Flair and Bobby interaction here. Just again ahead of their their singles match that they will have. I just love seeing. Like, Bobby will not back down from Flair. He won't let this guy walk all over him. Uh, and it's just one of those, everybody knows Bobby Eaton's reputation as, as the nicest man in wrestling. By God, Bobby Eaton's a sweetheart. And uh, just seeing him just give it right back to Flair is, is just great. It is so awesome. Man. I, and Flair's selling it. I mean, how many top guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would be willing to back away from a, a quote-unquote tag team wrestler? A tag team wrestler, you know. You know, it, it, it's very impressive that that Flair did that. Goes to show the respect uh, he must have for uh, beautiful Bobby, as we all should. We should. We don't deserve beautiful Bobby. We never did. We never did. We didn't even deserve sweet Stan. No, you're right. You're right about that. Okay. Wow. All right. So that's two down, both matches from 1988. Uh, we're going to fast forward a little bit to 1990, which is really, I mean, honestly, the last gasp of this iteration of the Midnight Express before, uh, before Bobby is going to go singles. I mean, he'll stick around, shoot, he sticks around through the end of WCW pretty much, Mm -hmm. just about, I think. Uh, but for, for, uh, Bobby and Stan as a tag team, sadly, this is really going to do it. So, uh, and I guess the, the twilight of their career as a tag team, our last match takes us to Halloween Havoc, 1990, the UIC Pavilion, it's in Chicago. This is the show with the very interesting, uh, red, uh, ring mat, not, not ring apron, but the, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if there is much of a story to it other than. They just maybe wanted to change things up. I don't – maybe it was a, a an issue with blood or blood? Yeah, like that's a, an athletic commission or something that, you know, you, you, like you wanted it. to have – I mean, I like the, I like it in, in the spirit of doing something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I don't know that specifically I like the red, just the, yeah. the, the way it – I don't know. It just it does look weird. It just doesn't look right. I was okay with it for yeah. I was okay with it for a one off, but for like for one show. But I wouldn't have wanted it to stick around after this. Yeah, it reminded me of when Ring of Honor had a red ring mat. I never really did. They try that also. I I think they. If I want to say that on the HD Net era, they did. I've just never. I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a wrestling mat traditionalist. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) <laughs> a boomer. <laughs> In any case, the match is uh, Midnight Express against Ricky Morton, uh, and uh, <laughs> so we've got one half of. <laughs> all right, we've got one half of the Rock and Roll Express here. People are going to take us to task for not having any Midnight R and R matches. I guess maybe, but I will just say that I think trying to find great examples of those two teams going head to head. Again, we we try to keep all our picks to what is available on 
the Peacock, WWE Network on Peacock. So it's sort of slim pickings, and, I mean, you can go back to Mid-South, but this isn't a Mid-South podcast. So, I don't know, you just get more and more limited. I, I considered... I considered going going with um, the match from I think it was Russell War Wild Thing uh, in in 1990 as well. You had a Midnight's versus Rock and Roll Express match there, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. but it also is sort of more of a comedy match almost. Like it, it's not by today's standards, but for the time, it, it's got a lot of slapstick in it. So I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling that. You know what? We're going to go with at least half the Rock and Roll Express here. <laughs> so it's Ricky Morton teaming with Wildfire Tommy Rich. Okay. Now, we, now we have we have a pre-match promo, and, and I want to talk about this before we get to the meat of the match. So okay. Ricky Morton, to his credit, is trying to evolve here. He's got yeah. – he's switched. He's got his, – his gear looks a little different. He's got a little, you know, kind of nice, nice new vest, it looks like. He's His hair he, – he's – Foregone the classic Ricky Morton mullet for, for a ponytail, which was the style in 1990. I think I pointed out before the podcast, the legendary villain of the movie Kindergarten Cop, Mobile, Alabama's own Richard Tyson, was sporting a ponytail in 1990. So no doubt that's the inspiration for, for, for Ricky there. Uh, and, 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 and so you got Ricky Morton, who's a picture of somebody trying to evolve and, and keep fresh. And then you pan over and you got Tommy Rich. <laughs> Looking like he just stepped out of 1981 Memphis on a bender. He's his hair is slicked back. He looks he looks 20 years older than he is. <laughs> Ricky Morton cuts a little fired up promo about what they're going to do in the match and wanting to do it for his partner Robert, who's sitting at home with a with a bum leg. And then they go to Tommy, and Tommy has approximately now this is not a word for word recreation, but he approximately says. I'm going to tell you something, boy. We're going to get out there. We're going to do our thing, boy. Woo! <laughs> Sound pretty accurate. And then they what more can you ask for? <laughs> Look, the people love Tommy Wildfire Rich. That said, the people um, of Atlanta, Georgia, are, are a long way from Chicago, Illinois, I have to figure, on this night. But that's okay, because we're not going to have to see a whole lot of Tommy Rich. And the, bless his heart. Look. I, yep. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to trash Tommy Rich. He, um, he, he oh. look. He sold some towns. He, he sold some shows. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he's one of those like veterans that they dragged in in 1990. Yep. 1990. It, it, they don't really. I mean, they're kind of on job duty, right? They don't really go anywhere. Um, the, the first wrestling show I ever went to in my life had Tommy Rich as one of the featured attractions. It was 1990. It was WCW, Mobile Civic Center, and I was treated to a show that I believe did not have Sting on it, but did have Tommy Wildfire Rich, yeah. the washed-up version of the Junkyard Dog, and Paul Orndorff. Oh, wow. All his baby faces. Was uh, was Tommy Rich over there in a mobile? Uh, yeah, I think so. All the baby faces were over. Yeah. See? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, they... They do tell us on commentary that uh, Robert Gibson is out rehabbing a knee injury, which he apparently sustained at the hands of the Freebirds. So we understand why uh, it's not Ricky and Robert as usual here. And, um, you know, that's good enough for me. So mm-hmm. we're going to start off with Ricky and Bobby with standard collar and elbow tie up here. And 
Bobby is feeling himself after a deep hip toss and stiff right hand. He always has those great punches, does Bobby Eaton. Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But he goes up top a little bit prematurely, gets slugged in the gut on the way down. Uh, that leads to a pair of shoulder blocks by Ricky and a cool little like crisscross sequence and then a uh, back body drop by Ricky Morton. Hurricane Rana by Ricky. How about that? Sending Bobby uh, reeling into Tommy Rich, who is going to greet him with a bonic elbow, one of his few contributions to this match. <laughs> um, but Stan Lane gets the uh, blind tag, and he catches Ricky in a sweet power slam off yes. of a Bobby Eaton backdrop. So some T- great Tim double did, team maneuvering. D- yep. Didn't didn't Jr. call the uh, the 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 Hurricane yeah. Rana the Japanese head scissors? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard that terminology before. I don't either. I wrote it down, and I was going to ask you guys if that's what y'all are calling that move. He sure does. Um, Yeah, because Ricky does that twice in the match, and I think JR kind of shrugged it off the first time, and then he's like, oh, I guess i got to call this damn move. He's going to do it again. (laughs) It looks just like Frankensteiner. That's what he comes up with. And that, it's not a bad, it's not a bad hurricane no. either. By no, it looks Morton. good, pretty convincing. <laughs> um, so double teaming from the Midnight's here. Morton goes to the outside. That's where Cornette's going to get his shots in with the uh, tennis racket right in the throat. Good jab with that uh, racket right in the throat to to Ricky Morton there. Um, and back in the ring, <laughs> the signature martial arts kicks. From Sweet Stan. Always looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lane, Lane then slams Morton right on the ramp. Propels Eaton off the top to the outside with a sick rocket launcher. Yeah. I don't know that we've seen them go from from the ring to the outside onto that uh, apron, you know, connected to the ring like that. But pretty awesome. Um, but Ricky Morton managed to survive that pin attempt back in the ring. Uh, and Lane tags out. While in the process of getting rolled up um, by Ricky Morton, so cool blind tag there, Bobby comes in, uh, hits a diamond cutter yeah. <laughs> in 1990 <laughs> to, to break up the pin. Japanese. I think a, a Japanese neck breaker. Um, <laughs> you know, I think what happened there is he was going for his uh, The swinging neck breaker, and Ricky didn't go. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, and Ricky just didn't go. <laughs> so we ended up with a pretty awesome diamond cutter, yeah. uh, which looks fine. Asshole. He was yeah. a, he was fucking dead by then. He's getting his ass beat during this whole match. I know he's just been eating shit this whole yeah. match. Uh, I know it's just a mistiming thing. So we ended up with uh, with Bobby Eaton innovating the diamond cutter here in 1990. <laughs> um, and so then we get a uh, a slingshot. And uh, a slingshot backbreaker, I should say. Um, so oh, that like was the, so sweet. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not just his, his old pop-up backbreaker that he would normally use, uh, Bob Eaton. It's this uh, slingshot version off, off the ropes. Um, I've determined real through, cool. through our show, I think, I've determined that I will like any slingshot move, period. Like, yeah. There's, just, there's none they, that I won't like. Yeah. I, I I hear you that kind of like you know totally Blanchard with his yep. rarely used but always over uh, slingshot, slingshot suplex suplex the same the, logic here yeah backbreaker that well the yeah. Ultimo Dragon slingshot power bomb that he beat Ray with oh, on one of our prior yeah. podcasts uh, 
Oh, it's yeah. just there's something about using the rope for that. It's, it's weirdly satisfying to see a guy bounce off the rope perfectly like that. It's, it's that extra snap just does yep. it. You know, uh, another cheap shot from the outside. Uh, Jim Cornette with that tennis racket. Uh, sweet stand sends Ricky over the top rope while Nick Patrick is distracted, so we don't get a disqualification here. Mercifully. Um, but Bobby post himself and Ricky then gets a hope spot with a, here's our Japanese head scissors on the floor. Mm. Um, but at least he's getting his shit in. Um, Cornette though, kicking Ricky right in the ribs to cut that little comeback off. Uh, and back in the ring, Bobby hits a beautiful Alabama mm. jam. You were waiting to see it, Jenny. I know I all was. match. Always. always Hanging on to it. Uh, as is Ricky Morton here, still clinging, clinging to life somehow <laughs> this match tenaciously. Um, Midnight's go for another rocket launcher attempt. That hits knees. Now, finally, Ricky Morton making that hot tag to Rich, his partner, comes in with a Thez press. Maybe not the hottest. with. Best press, body slam, but then he gets pasted with the racket by Cornette, so that was short-lived. Um, now we have the great run-in by the Southern Boys, my favorite tag team, as you know. They're, they're doing a Jim Cornette cosplay here on Halloween. Um, this causes a distraction at ringside. In the confusion, Jim Cornette drops his racket. That allows Tommy Rich to retrieve it. Nails Stan Lane. For the win here by the kind of ramshackle team of the the rock and roll wildfire express, whatever you want to call it. Um, wow, what a clinic by Ricky Morton here. Ricky yeah. Morton giving mm-hmm. giving new meaning to the phrase playing Ricky Morton <laughs> in the match. <laughs> Faith and Carol. Imperiled many times over here. Yeah. Wow. And you know the Midnight Express have no one to blame but themselves for losing this match. And I hate to put our, put it on our, our Alabama boy Bobby, but but Bobby had Ricky Morton dead to rights. All he had to do was cover him, and instead he tried to he tried to get the referee to count him out to ten instead yeah. of just covering him and getting the three. And his How dumb. Yeah, his his arrogance got the best of him and cost yeah, him the match. Lost. Lost the step there. He is from Alabama, so. Well, we're not the well, sharpest tools in the shed. Mm-mm. Yeah. So. Anyway, again, I think for a, for a um, what isn't a regular tag team here, Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich. Not that we're going to see a lot of Tommy Rich here again. Um, it's it's like basically one of those midnight and R and R matches from you know their their classic, probably hell show circuit that they did a hundred thousand times over um but with uh ricky kind of probably pulling double duty with a lot of these spots <laughs> yeah. you have to figure since there's no since there's no robert to bounce off of um but he's game for it god bless him and you know rich to his credit does his part here uh this is i mean look this is this is a show that has uh several classic tag team matches on it. This is where you'll find uh the, the previously covered Nasty Boys versus Steiner Brothers, which is maybe an all time great uh tag team match in WCW. It's also got the horsemen. Talk about uh, a flair and and 
Arn Anderson team, which I just said I enjoyed so very much against Doom. That's on this show. Yep. And then you have this match, which is the lesser remembered of the three really cool tag team matches. But um, I still like it. I mean, it's our opener to the show as well. So uh, hot open. And, uh, yeah, I um, I just really wanted to bring, again, some more awareness to a match that people probably know exists but have maybe forgotten about or, or given short shrift as I like to do on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good stuff here. And, and again, for me, I have to give almost all the credit for this match to Ricky Morton. The Midnight Express are awesome, but Ricky is doing yeoman's work here because Tommy Rich does almost nothing in this match, but stand on the apron and clap his hands. Uh, He comes in, (laughs) he comes in, the world's worst, bullshit, man. Yeah. He comes in, does the world's worst Des press. (laughs) <laughs> which was his finisher that's he did it at the show in 1990 I was, say, was that his finish I got that was his finish and they wondered why he wasn't over at the time because he did, awesome. he did that at our show at our show in 1990 even as a kid i was like why did he why did that man stay down for that that didn't look like it hurt um, but nonetheless nonetheless we're, we're we're far we're far removed from the luthes press of stone cold many years later but mm. um yeah, so but Ricky Morton is so good here. So good. His yeah. his selling, but he knows how to keep alive during the match. Like he doesn't just turn into complete goo because when when you think that he is finished for for good, he has a little comeback and he hits the yeah. Japanese head scissors or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and he keeps it, it's just masterful instinctual stuff knowing when to come back, knowing when to sell, knowing that you don't have to just pop up and and get everything back right away. You build the drama throughout the course of the match, peaks and valleys, and and that's tag team wrestling, really wrestling in general, but particularly tag mm-hmm. team wrestling in a nutshell is taking the audience on a ride and the, the making them feel something when the hot tag is finally made. And they do to their credit. Like I said, Rich doesn't do anything, but he comes in and gets a nice reaction for coming in and doing that Des Press and a body slam or something. So, you know, it, it, it's just a master class of tag team wrestling. The Midnights were known for that. Ricky Morton was known for that. And I would assume that much like, you know, all the great combinations in history, peanut butter and jelly, uh, and, and so on down the line, really, uh, you can't you can't go wrong with the Midnight Express and Ricky Morton. You cannot. I mean, this – I always like a Tim match because I feel like it has a certain, like, flavor. And Hidden gem quality. Yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, something about Tim's picks are are just perfectly Tim, and, uh. Yeah, he doesn't go with the obvious picks, which is good. Yeah, yeah. He goes with something that, that, a match that we've forgotten about, or, or in your case, I didn't even know about at times, or sometimes in my case, didn't even know about, so, it's always a great, it's always a great, uh, selection. And I think it's, uh, about this time, um, during my watching when I was preparing for this, when I start to realize that Stan and Bobby are in love. And that oh, is why, okay. um, they're so good. Because, I don't know, I, I don't have another explanation for all their greatness now, to get, do you think, like. Do you think this is why this version of the Midnights is clearly preferable? to the, the Bobby, uh, Dennis Condry version, because Bobby and Dennis Condry, I, I would argue were certainly not in love. They, they worked well as, mm-hmm. as partners, as, uh, as tag team partners. And, 
as as wrestlers, but um, they were not lovers in the way that no, that no, you couldn't picture them caressing each other after the match <laughs> in the hotel room holding the titles betwixt their bodies. And, but, and I don't mean it wholly sexual, which I mean I I think you can probably go there, but I really think it's like a like just like a love, like they're in sync. There's some passion. They, they yeah, they, there's something about them as a pair really works and I, I don't know jack shit about them personally or you know i don't know like a lot of their history but uh i, I know what they showed me in the ring and they have something that is super special they have that that symbiosis just like flair and yeah. arn yeah <laughs> symbiotes <laughs> but i mean this this is just another fantastic i mean it I, I guess I just didn't – I wasn't prepared for, like, that much greatness. Like, I I don't want to say that they're, like, underrated. I don't think they're underrated at all. But it's just the discovery of them and how fucking good they are. Like Greg said, like, through this show, <laughs> it just yeah. – yeah. it, it's still amazing to me to be able to fall in love with these these wrestlers from – 40 years ago, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's, it's part of the reason I love doing this and, and just to like witness this, um, that's how, I, that's honestly how I feel about in particular Bobby Eaton. I just think he's a gift. Like he was just, he's just through and through a wrestler and getting a, just being able to watch him is like super awesome for me. So I kind of I kind of got in my feels a little bit in this match. Uh, just I don't, thinking I don't about, hate that. Yeah, about them, you know. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, it's kind of. It, it, oh, go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like, I I sort of feel the same way, especially kind of in light of maybe you know Bobby's passing. Who, right. Again, none of us deserve Bobby Eaton, mm-hmm. um, nicest man in the world, uh, but. You know, it's just one of those, um, just one of those great success stories. I feel like you want to see a guy who is who is like that beloved and, and respected by his his peers be as successful as he really was in the ring. Like, was he ever world champion? No, but it's like, did he did he make a great living um, doing what he loved to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I'm looking at my my GWCW. And I remember having a hard time with uh, with Bobby Eaton. Like, where do I rank this guy? He's so good. He was one of those just secret climbers on me. And I think I'm looking at it now. He ended up finishing like 22nd for me as my greatest WCW wrestler of all time, Bobby Eaton. Um, now, Stan, I had a little bit lower than that um, because, you know, just a, more to a Bobby Eaton as as a worker and to his career as a single star than than Stan, but that's not to sell either one of them short. Um but I, I could watch the again, this specific iteration of the Midnights could watch their matches all day. Easily same. I had the same note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, never get it, sick of it. It just makes me want to just sit here and just watch it like just on a loop. Like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, there's uh, also there, on the emotional standpoint, there's also an element of tragedy to this match because this is, as Tim pointed out, the last prominent match that the Midnight Express have before breaking up. 
Jim Cornette and Stan Lane quit WCW shortly thereafter. And, um, you know, due to the, <clears throat> due solely to the combination of Cornette's and Jim Hurd's hot headedness at each other, but also just the backstage politics of WCW that the Midnight Express had been, you know, shunted down the card and all that. But they were still operating at such a high level. I think Stan would retire in 93, roughly. So we could have gotten another, what, mm. three years, possibly yeah. two and a half to three years of Midnight Express matches. Uh, just think about that. I mean, that that's mm. – there's an element of tragedy to that because they, they, they had a lot more left in their tank as a tag team. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bobby's still got a lot left as a singles guy. Yep. All right. Any other thoughts about Midnight Express? No, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I just they're they're amazing and and like you said, Jenny, I, I I love the opportunity to go back and revisit them because a lot of their best stuff was before I can remember wrestling very well. Like I can remember aspects of wrestling from the mid to late '80s, but you know, foggy. And so um, going back and revisiting some of their stuff that wasn't on the Starcades and stuff like that has been really cool. So I, I you know, I want to watch. I, I hope this is a team that we get to revisit again sometime down the line. Mm-hmm. Let's do it Find next it. time. Let's, let's just do a double. Sure. Let's back keep back. Doing it. <laughs> the, the talking midnight. This is now a mid- yeah, this is, talking this is what we do now. <laughs> talking midnight. Look, like don't even tempt me with that because I will start a new podcast. Well, hey, how about um, any honorable mentions for you guys for midnight's matches? Not to say we couldn't do them in the future. Um, well, I'm sure there's some rock and rolls. Uh. <laughs> yeah, just pick yeah, a rock and roll. Yeah. I, I, I had that one uh, from Russell War 90 on my short list, but um, I don't know. It's the one that I picked <laughs> felt like more of a Tim match, right? Right. The, uh, the, I thought about the Midnight Express versus the Dynamic Dudes from um, Philadelphia, yep. I think it was, where the crowd boos the baby faces and cheers the heels. Yeah. Um, I thought about that one. I do remember that Douglas, match. What are you gonna do? I mean, yeah, and uh, and uh, Johnny Ace too. Uh, and uh, I thought about uh, uh, doing the uh, one the, the scaffold match where Cornette falls to his Ooh. to his knees, doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not a huge fan of scaffold matches usually. So, right. uh, and having seen that one several times, I was like, eh, I can do that some other time. But. Um, but it was, it's certainly one of the most notable midnight matches because Cornette blew his leg out famously, um, yeah. falling from the from the scaffold, of course. Yeah, I have seen that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and I had mentioned previously um, that earlier uh, Clash match between the Midnights and Fantastics. That was actually from the inaugural Clash of the Champions from uh, uh, March 27, 88. What a great show that is. I mean, my God, you've got that. You've got the awesome title change with um, Luger and, and Wyndham. Um, against uh, Tully and uh, Yeah, against Tully and Arn. Um, and certainly that main event, Flair and Sting, which I know it has its naysayers, but fuck them. No, it's um, amazing. It's a great match. Yeah, th- and there's some good TV stuff out <clears throat> there, again, that um, you won't find on, on the network. There was one I watched on YouTube. Uh, Midnight's versus the Steiner Brothers. I think a worldwide might have been a pro. Um, you know, one of those syndicated shows that if, if you want to see more of the love between uh, Stan and Bobby, check that one out because they're just 
kind of consoling each other up and down after just getting pummeled by, by these brutes, <laughs> the Steiners. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just one of those types of matches, but it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, is, now, I could easily look this up, of course, but why do that when we can ask each other on a podcast? Is sure. Worldwide on Peacock at all? No. No, it is not. Ugh, that's a tragedy. Yeah. I mean, they're really behind the eight ball and even getting, like, those those early 90s Saturday nights up. Like, they – the last time they added any of those was, I want to say, over two years ago. Yeah. Like, it was stopped. right when they – yeah, it was, like, <clears throat> right when they moved to Peacock, they added a handful. Um, and didn't they so start I guess, sometime in, like, 93 or yeah, early 94? Yeah, and Yeah, we're still stalled in 93. Yep. Bullshit. Get it together. If you're li- in the unlikely event that you're listening to this and you work for the Peacock uh, streaming platform, get it together. Get us some more WCW. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. You have your. You can have your The Office and your Harry Potter, whatever the hell else you got on your streaming platform. Give us WCW. That's all that'll sell. Wow. Okay, guys. Uh, who is up next? Next time around. Next month or. Uh, some iteration of months, whatever it is. Thanks, who was the? Who was our last episode about? It's an impossible question to answer. I think it's my turn. I think that may Probably be correct. Right. I think that may yeah. be correct because it was Great American Bash before, wasn't it? That that sounds too long ago. I feel like that was. Didn't you pick that one, Tim? I did, but. It feels like it was longer. I could yeah. actually check. How about how about yeah. that? I Maybe mean, it was less eager, possibly. No, I'm pretty sure it was um, GAB and then this. In any case, yeah. No, wait. It was Steve Austin, wasn't it? No, it couldn't have been Steve no. Austin because I, I no, it was, was my turn to pick, and I, I picked Steve Austin. Yeah. And I picked the Midnight Express. So. Mm. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm it doesn't predict. matter. Anyway, I'm yeah, um, so <laughs> I don't know what what sort of matches we're going to end up with when I pick this person. Um, but it's Disco Inferno, isn't it? I have fallen in love with him uh, through my ECW watching, so I've decided to pick Perry Saturn. Ooh, yeah. nice! So he has been. Just absolutely mind blowing in ECW, and I'm like, I, I mean, there's been some Saturday nights where I've watched uh, some WCW stuff of his, but I don't remember the quality of those matches. Sure, so, yeah. Um, I'm curious what we will all come up with for this. We did have that one against Saturn. I mean, you against Raven. Raven. Yes. yes. We did the Raven episode, which was yes. awesome. I would say his peak in WCW, but he still has a lot to offer. I am a huge, huge Saturn mark. So. Yes. I knew and, you uh, By the way, our her last episode was Eddie Guerrero, which uh, was picked by me. So we're doing good. We are we are okay. keeping with the rotation as as uh, intended. So Apparently I'm losing our minds as the time goes on. And, yeah. Yeah, steadily losing our minds and. All sense of time. I can't wait to get into uh, Saturn matches. I don't think we'll have any trouble coming up with uh, some great picks for okay. uh, Perry Saturn. Yes. 
All right. Um, what about plugs, Greg? You have anything you want to talk about? I probably need hair plugs at this point. Mm. But other than that, I have, let's talk I about have, that then. Talk I have nothing plugs. else. To, I have nothing else to play. It, my Twitter account is uh, is at g phillips eight six five two. No, I'm not changing it. Before you even ask, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to stay first initial last name bunch of numbers until the day I die, unless I change it, which I won't. Unless I do. But you can follow me there to find takes on various take-like topics, candy bars, wrestling, comic book wow. things, movies, uh, uh, existential crises, whatever you want to know about. I'll, I'll have some sort of a retweet that I'll hit that might cover it. So in, in any event, that's where you can find me most of the time. Other than that, uh, no, I don't have any projects on the on the horizon. I believe I may be attempting to attend a uh, much ballyhooed AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show in June, where preliminary discussions are underway. We'll see if it works out. If that happens, I'll be sure to report back and advise of any goings-on that may occur. And uh, I did also attend AEW Revolution back in uh, back in March, and that was a lot of fun. So, oh shit, cool, a good show, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. What about you, so, Tim? Uh, well, the other wrestling podcast I do it is also with you, Jenny, and it's with our friend Jacob as well. That is PTB NXT. We should have a new episode of that kind of around the same time that you're hearing this. Mm-hmm. We have officially entered. The year 2015 in our NXT chronology. Uh, so we're, we're kind of setting up some matches, setting up some feuds, uh, some good storylines, uh, heading into our next, uh, takeover event with, um, Sami Zayn headlining his first as the NXT champion. A very cool, very fun time in NXT that, uh, I'm really getting into. Um, Beyond that, I do a podcast with JT Rosero. It is called 9021 NOSO. And as you might have gathered, that is on the North-South Connection podcast network. So, sister podcast to Place to Be Nation Wrestling, the North-South Connection. Uh, so subscribe to that today if you're a 90210 fan. We're going through every single episode of the show. Uh, we're about to finish. That first season of 90210, hard to believe, um, just got two left, really, at the time of this recording. And we have a, a guest joining us each and every episode of 90210. So if you want to get in on that, uh, you can reach out. Find me on Twitter. I am at Psyche68, C-Y-K-E-6-8, on the Twitter. So if you want to be a guest on 90210, if you just want to talk about the show, um, doesn't matter whether you've done podcasts before or not. Uh, you know, you don't even have to be a fan of 90210. Honestly, we like to say we, we'd love to hear from a hater. <laughs> Just think it'd be fun and funny. Um, Greg, I know, um, we, we'd love to get you in on some action there at some point, uh, at yeah, a yeah. permanent date in the future. <laughs> the, the, as you get, as you get further along into the show, especially because I think I started watching sometime around the second or third season. I've still never seen a lot of the first season, uh, which I was reminded of when I saw the uh, – uh, I don't remember what, what platform it was on, but I was scrolling through stream platforms. Oh, 90210, and I looked at, like, the thumbnail image of the first episode, and I was like, wow, that looks way different yeah. than the show I remembered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that sounds fun. 
the theme is quite different in that first season also. It's it's a little, I don't know, more bougie than that mm. thumping 90210 iconic theme that everyone is used to. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Kind of yeah, jazzier. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's um, weird that when I think back to 90210, as much as, as much as the actual theme song, I think of the, uh, like, gin blossoms and stuff like that that would pop up to play at the Peach Pit. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be a while yet before the uh, Peach Pit After Dark years. But, um, and, you know, we're kind of working around, are we going to be able to watch some of those episodes as they were originally presented with those musical performances? Stay tuned. We we may have our ways and means here again. Um but yeah, that's that's a lot to say about 90210 so uh on again the North South Connection uh podcast network. Jenny, let me throw it over to you because you might have some some podcast news for uh for our listeners. Yeah, um real quick before that, I just want to um talk about this feed real quick. Um this is the Post Wrestling feed and yeah. uh the Place Me podcast just had their 600th episode. Um, so check that out. And uh, all the other cool shows on this feed, um, we have um, – they've uh, got a new YouTube roulette. There's a new um, PTBN's main event, Saturday NWA Saturday Special, and NWA Croc and Roll, um, and Highway to the Impact Zone all have new episodes. Um, mm-hmm. So listen to those. And uh, as for the Jenny position, I have moved all of my content to the North-South Connection for those sweet, sweet downloads that I was not getting uh, on my own feed. So uh, those are going to be dropping every Wednesday on the North-South. Full transparency by Jennifer Smith. Why? It's the truth. Uh, so um, those will be all my shows, like um, Freak Out Drive-In, You Heard About Pluto, and Talk Pop, and... Um, the Journey Through Infinity, pretty recent episodes of all of those. Um, the newest one being the 420 episode of You Heard About Pluto uh, uh, with me and my friend Rocco, where we watched Idle Hands on Pluto, um, sort of a stoner movie for the holiday. So listen to that. And uh, everything I do is linked on Twitter. I'm at Jenny Position. You can follow me there. And um, thank you guys, and we'll see you next time for more Talking WCW. Bye, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lethal cocktail of um, of opiates, fruit? narcotics, uh, any, any. I almost had a know. lethal dose of fruit cocktail uh, about oh. a month ago because I. I Wait, I was trying to get the little uh, the little pop off the can, and it only bit it bit like halfway instead of coming off the can. And so I thought, well, who makes a shitty product like this? So I went to kind of like get leverage on the inside of the lid and try to poke it up mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, that didn't work out. Ended up cutting my finger. Oh no! Thought was oh that's not a big deal. Well, it turns out I cut my finger significantly because I subsequently bled for most of the rest of the night, <laughs> all over a variety of objects in the house. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> It was bad. I, I, I like I, every time I thought I had the bleeding stopped, it would leak through whatever I had on it. So yeah, I avoided going to the hospital, but now I have a nice little tiny scar to show for it. So from a <laughs> from a fruit cocktail. From a fruit cocktail. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> the hell of a way to find out you have hemophilia. I mean. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs>
I, all I need now is the behind the music guy to do the voice. <laughs> say, mm-hmm. And that's when he received his lethal dose of hemophilia and fruit cocktail. A lethal <laughs> cocktail of hemophilia and fruit cocktail. <laughs> but that's Lannis Moore's pet, really. <laughs> oh. A leaf of cocktail of hemophilia. A chance phone call. And fruit cocktail. But a chance phone call from the drummer for Motley Crue would change everything. (laughs) (laughs) Greg woke up on the ground with the blade still on his finger. When we found the patient on the ground, he had lost a significant amount of blood and was surrounded by those little maraschino cherry things <laughs> and cocktails. We couldn't tell if they were cherries or coagulated blood. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the cherries are the best part. They really are. They're that that yeah, honestly. Well, they sell them just the cherries now. Yeah, I know. But, but, uh, but I don't ever buy those because I'm afraid it'll be too much. You know, too many cherries. Yeah. Too rich. Yeah.